Well, today, as we get into the message, uh, last week, what we did was we took a look at Jesus being the light of the world. Uh, we looked at the example of the sun and how all life on earth uh, is impossible without the light of the sun, uh, both for it to be able to grow and to produce fruit. Uh, and in that, it's the same for us with Jesus, uh, that it's impossible for us to even be alive or grow or develop fruit of any kind uh, without him uh, in our life and causing that growth. Uh, we looked at John 15, we'll, we'll read it again to kind of refresh our mind, in verse 4, where Jesus says, Remain in me, and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself, unless it remains on the vine, neither can you, or, or neither can you produce fruit, uh, unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me, and I in him, produces much fruit, because you can do nothing without me. And so it's this idea of, of being so closely connected to Jesus that our identity in him results in fruit, not out of our own strength, not of our own efforts. Last week, we, we kind of talked about the strawberry plants a little bit and, you know, how it pushes up out of the ground and it's got its green leaves and then the little white flowers come, which then develop into fruit. And uh, the plant's not sitting there saying to itself, like, I really got to try hard today to produce that flower. Like, like, I need to muster up the extra strength, or I have to have a good night's rest in order to do this. Uh, but it simply is abiding. It is being what it was created to be. Uh, and that is us in Jesus Christ, because we're new creations. We're literally created to produce fruit of the kingdom as we abide in Christ. It's our identity and purpose to produce the fruit found in Galatians chapter 5, much like it's the identity and purpose of a strawberry plant to produce strawberries. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are all the things that are our fruit in our life as we walk by the Spirit uh, and we abide in Jesus Christ. Now, we've been talking about this over the last couple of weeks about what Jesus had accomplished, the new identity that he has given to us, uh, and then out comes this fruit within that, and it's promised to result in fruit. But what I want to look at today, though, is, is what if we're struggling in an area uh, of fruit of the Spirit? What if we look at that list in Galatians, and it says, well, there's love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness, self-control. Maybe we look at that list and we're like, yeah, I have some joy, but my patience, you know, I need to work on that or, or I need to understand God's love for me more in order to be able to love the way that he loves me. And, and so how do we cultivate this type of fruit in our life? And so we're going to take a look at that by going back to Second Peter uh, in chapter 1. And so we'll get there in just a minute. Um, before we head there, let's pray. Uh, Father, we come before you this morning as we go into your word. We thank you that it is alive and real and that it is the created and ultimate truth. That we have our earthly perspectives. We have the way that we see things based on the experiences that we've had, the things that we've done, the way we judge ourselves, or even things that have happened that are outside of our control. 
Father, let not those things determine our reality, but let it be the Word of God. To be anchored in that. To live in the truth and the creation, the new creation, the gift that you have given to us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so before we get into Second uh, Peter there, I uh, just want to go back to that strawberry plant for just another minute. Uh, minute. Uh, and so that the concept of how strawberries come from a tiny little seed um, actually is like miraculous to me. Like it's hard for me to fathom. Jesse, how, do, you, do you do strawberries? I don't. You don't. Do you know how big a strawberry seed is though? Like, like it's one of those little things on the outside of the fruit, right? Yeah, like the little freckle, you know, that, that little tiny thing on the outside of the fruit is a seed. And, and yet from that, like, it will plant and, and be able to grow. And that is absolutely miraculous to me. That, that all of the, the data of what it means to be a strawberry plant is within that. And exactly how that grows, it is a complete miracle of God. It's the same thing for, for anything else in earth that is alive and grows and, and reproduces. And, and so to be able to say how it goes from seed, we have some concepts within that, but only God makes it grow. But for the gardener or the steward that's tending the plant, there's things that it needs to be aware of. It needs to see if there's enough water and light. Is it getting enough sunlight in order to grow? Is it uh, not being dry? Are, are there weeds that are coming in that will choke out the plant? Uh, and to be careful to take out those weeds uh, instead of actually feeding the weeds as well. Are, are there rabbits or birds or groundhogs or any other number uh, of things coming to try and steal uh, the plant or the fruit? This is similar to what we face uh, in this kingdom fruit that God's growing within us. It, it only happens because he makes it grow. We can't sit there and by our own effort just be like, all right, I need to produce love. I need to produce kindness, goodness, and self-control. It, it cannot happen. But at the same time, we're called to be stewards with the life that he has given to us. And so as we look to cultivate this fruit within our life, there's things that we need to be aware of. Are we getting enough light in the sense of the truth in Jesus Christ? We looked at that last week in John chapter 1 where it said that he was the light of the world and that light was life to men. So are we spending enough time in the light of Jesus Christ getting to know him and drinking from the Spirit. If you remember uh, in John, where he's talking to the Samaritan woman, he's like, if you knew, you'd ask me, and I would give you living water, that you would never grow thirsty again. And so he provides that through the Spirit in order to give us that sense of growth. Are we actually pursuing that water are we, of the Holy Spirit? Are we pursuing the light of knowing Jesus Christ? Are, are we desperate to attain that so that we might grow? The second thing uh, is that weeds of the things of this world uh, that we tend to give priority uh, and effort to. 
It's stuff that we need to, to rip out and get rid of. In Hebrews, it tells us to cast aside every weight and hindrance. And, and yet, for, for many of us, there's little areas where instead of ripping out the weeds, we actually like to feed it and give it more time and give it more attention in our life or just kind of like leave it alone because we don't want to deal with getting rid of it. It's things that compete for our time and focus and energy. It's the worries of this age and goals for ourselves and not the kingdom. We find that most of our life is trying to build things that are just temporary here on earth. We're feeding weeds at that point instead of looking to feed and cultivate our souls in that. It takes up our energy and causes distractions. And then for the strawberry plant, we talked about how rabbits and birds and other animals would come to try and steal or destroy the fruit. And the same thing can happen through lies and deception from our enemy, Satan, who wants us to doubt or fear. He wants to come and steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to rob the joy that we have in Jesus Christ and replace it with anger, bitterness, and fear. In fact, in Galatians chapter 5, where it lists off the fruit of the Spirit, just before that uh, is the, the flesh, the aspects of the flesh. And that's what he would rather see cultivated within our life. But each of these things, whether it would be something trying to steal the truth of what Christ has given to us, uh, weeds that we're not properly tending, uh, or if we're not getting water and light in the form of spending time with Christ uh, and work of the Holy Spirit within us, each of these things can affect uh, the fruit that would grow within our life. But there is hope, and this is where we go to Second Peter chapter 1. Uh, verse 3 it says, His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So again, the fruit grows because of the work of the Spirit, not our effort. He's given us everything required through, in verse 4, these very great and precious promises of the gospel so that through them you may share in the divine nature. And it's something I think we kind of pass through far too quickly. Uh, we've talked about it over the past weeks. In that, it means for the Christian who has been redeemed by the blood of Christ, you are no longer merely human. But you share in the divine nature. And you've escaped the corruption that's in the world. So here's the truth of what Christ has done for us. But then here in, in verse 5 begins the aspect of stewardship. Our role comes into play for this very reason. Because Christ has already done all of these things, given us the gift of participating in the divine nature, because of these, make every effort to supplement, uh, or when we looked at that in our first week in the series in Second Peter, uh, it means to nurture your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self. Are these sounding familiar to what we read in Galatians? It's going through the fruit of the Spirit again. Faith with goodness. Goodness with knowledge. Knowledge with self-control. Self-control with endurance. Endurance with godliness. Godliness with brotherly affection. With brotherly affection with love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And so here we're talking about we have been created now, a, a new spiritual creation in the image of Christ for the purpose of producing fruit. And we have to be on guard because Satan wants to come and steal these things. And so what we're called to do is participate in the work that Jesus already accomplished by seeking to have these qualities in increasing measure. Now for the rest of this morning, I want to do something uh, a little bit different here. And, and what I want to do, uh, instead of focusing uh, just on this, uh, is instead work through uh, a real practical aspect of how to do this in our area of life. Because it's one thing to sit there and say, uh, okay, well, you know, we should add to our faith goodness and goodness knowledge and knowledge with self-control and, and this with that and, and all the way down to love. And, and so we should just add these things. But How? How do we add more love into our life? Especially if we struggle with feeling or receiving love. Or accepting that God loves us so much that he sent his only son so that those who may believe in him might find salvation. How do we practically develop and work on these things? The first one is to make sure uh, that we are focused on who Christ is. Our enemy wants to dry up our faith. Uh, and so what we're going to do uh, is look at the topic of love and to meditate and see what the truth, what the light of love is within Scripture. Meditate upon that, which then leads to praying about it and then choosing to walk in the truth of what Scripture says instead of what we happen to feel about how God loves us or how he looks at us. Because it's the reason that Christ came to earth is love. Love is the motivation behind the reconciliation and adoption that was accomplished at the cross. Love is the reason that we have hope in our lives. It is the root of our joy, and it is the anchor of safety within God. Our enemy would want to dry that up, to choke it out with worries and distractions and other things, so that we don't focus and remember, recall, uh, show gratitude and thankfulness for, meditate on God's love, and then choose to steal, or rather, he wants to steal the joy of God's love through lies and causing us to doubt that how could God love me with all of my faults, the things that I've done, what little I have to offer. We have to be on guard against these different stra uh, strategies by having the priority to focus on the love of God, not allowing busyness and distractions of the world are uh, the weeds that would come up to take our time and effort away from learning more about the love of God. We don't want to allow our experiences to steal the truth, whether it's relationships with our own fathers, relationships with people that have been close to us and have betrayed us, or even how we feel about ourselves. And so in this, we want to bask in the light of Jesus, and we're just going to go through some verses here. Um, and, and one quick story that was, was kind of neat. Because it's one thing to like read through this and we see that God says he loves 
us, that we were reconciled to him. It's another thing for you to sit in your chair and to consider that this means you. He loves you. It's easy to sit here and read through Scripture and, and take a, a verse and how God loved the world and, okay, well, here's God's love for the whole world. But it's also for you as an individual. Last week, uh, as we started off the message, we were looking at some facts about the sun and how uh, a photon of light that originates at the sun takes eight minutes traveling at the speed of light in order for that photon to reach us here. It's going, anybody know offhand the speed of light? I don't. It's okay, none of us do. It's fast, right? Okay, so it takes eight minutes going at the speed of light. We can look it up later and put it up on Facebook. But um, the size of the sun, you know, if we take a, a normal size door, uh, the size of the earth relative to the size of the sun was the size of a nickel. Just to kind of bring back to memory on these things. The, the vastness of God's creation, the power of the sun. And if you think about the sun being the size of the door, the earth being the size of a nickel that takes eight minutes from the door to the nickel for a piece of light to reach that far. And then somewhere on that nickel uh, is the continent of North America. And then somewhere on that continent of North America is Wisconsin and Janesville and then us here within the armory. How small are we? And yet, within Luke chapter 12, I forgot to put this verse up, uh, but if you're taking notes, Luke chapter uh, 12, he's talking uh, in verse uh, 6 that five sparrows uh, are sold for two pennies and not one of them is forgotten before God. So, so a sparrow is, is tracked and known by God. When's the last time that you paid attention to a sparrow? When's the last time you went to a zoo where there was peacocks and, and instead you watched the sparrows? Like they're the annoying birds that are like trying to steal the bread off the table. And yet God tracks them. And, and then within this same verse, he says, not one of them is forgotten for, before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered, some of us less than others. Fear not, you have more value than many sparrows. So, so again, let's, the door over there is the size of the sun. Up here, we have the size of a nickel. It takes eight minutes for a piece of light to leave the sun to come to the size of the nickel. Somewhere on the nickel is North America, Janesville, us here, and, and then he knows exactly on that nickel, on that minute little speck that represents us, how many hairs are not just in this room, but are on your head. That's how he looks at you. That's how he sees. It's not just this anonymous thing that it's a blanket aspect of love. But he's tracking how many hairs are on our head. A story happened uh, this week. 
um, on, on Mondays, we, uh, Mondays are a family day. Uh, we usually uh, have pancakes, blueberry pancakes every Monday. Uh, and then we, ha- we play a game. Sometimes the sheep has right now we're playing Yahtzee. Uh, and I've been working through this message on, on kind of like the love of God and how he cares for us and how he cherishes us to the, to the point where he knows how many hairs are on my head and, and the love that he has for me. And, and I've been contemplating that. We're playing Yahtzee, uh, and my daughter finishes her turn, and, and I'm thinking to myself, like, it'd be really cool to get a Yahtzee right now. It's always cool to get a Yahtzee, but, but like, literally, I was like, I'd be really cool to get a Yahtzee right now. And, and I got this sense where God's like, really? You'd like one? And I'm like, Sure. And so I, I shake and I roll and three fives show up and a couple other numbers. And so I put the two fives up and I'm like, is this really happening or am I imagining this? And so I shake again and another five comes up and I put that up and I got this other number. I put it into the cup uh, and I looked at Angie and Eliana and, and I said to them, I really think I'm going to get a Yahtzee right now. Because I felt like this is what God was saying. You want one? I'm going to give one to you. And so I shake, and you know what comes up? A five. And so I got a Yahtzee, and I said it before it happened, which is like really cool, right? And so I'm like, I'm sitting there, I'm just kind of feeling like blown away a little bit that, that God would like communicate to me like, would you like a Yahtzee? I'm going to give you a Yahtzee. And so it goes to Angie, and I'm kind of telling them this, like, like what it's speaking to me about the love of God over this small, silly little game that has no consequence other than I'm beating my wife and daughter with a Yahtzee. So my, my wife goes, and then my daughter goes, and it comes back to me, and this thought pops into my head, like, I'm speaking about God's love on, on Sunday, and I, I really feel like this was from God, but what if it was a fluke? And I felt like God said, you want another one? I'm like, that'd be nice. And, and so I roll, and I get uh, two twos and a bunch of other stuff. So I, I needed my twos. I put the twos up. I roll again. Uh, I get another two, and I've got two left in the cup. And I roll those, and they come up two twos. And so I got two Yahtzees in a row. And I just was, like, speechless in that moment. I don't even know what the odds are to get two Yahtzees in a row, let alone, like, call one. And it just kind of struck me as I've been meditating on these passages, even down to the hairs on our head and, and the silliness of a game of Yahtzee that he just chose in that moment to say, I love you. And it's how he pursues us. It's a relationship and a closeness that he wants to have with us. And, and he puts it throughout Scripture in such a profound way. And that's what we're going to focus on for the rest of the morning, whatever time it takes. The first passage that we're going to go into uh, is Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. It says, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. So, so what this is saying is like a, a just person, like they have good character. 
that they uh, do what they say that they're going to do. But a good person uh, does that also, but they're kind of likable. Is really what they're saying here. Like, here's someone who does what's right, and it's kind of rare for somebody to die for them. Over here is someone who does what's right, but they're more likable. And so it's more uh, possible that somebody might die for them. But verse 8, God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Just, just contemplate that for a second. We doubt sometimes God's good love for us. And here's the passage saying how God proves it. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We did not earn salvation. We did not earn forgiveness. We were not some group of people that were sitting there saying, wow, like we're really lost, we're really messed up, like we need somebody to rescue us. It says, while we were still sinners, other parts of Scripture will say, while you were still enemies, while you were still a rebel, while you were still in the other army fighting against the kingdom of God. He died for us. Now what love is that? Like like he's sitting there saying, here's here's someone who does what's right, like people might die for them. And here's someone who does things that are right, and not only do they do things that were right, but they're kind of likable, so more likely to die for them. Consider if you have children. Would you offer your own life for them? Would you offer your life in exchange for the person who would kidnap them or hurt them? Because that's what Jesus did for us. We were the enemies. And he died for us because of love. Just absolute, unconditional grace and mercy and love. Not because we earned it at that point, but because he wanted to rescue us. He wanted to save us from an eternity of separation from him. And then if we can grasp that concept, the concept of his Love when it was so far the opposite of deserved. He gave us this love. He proved this love then. Then in verse 9, how much more then, since we have now been declared righteous or in good standing because of Jesus' blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of the Son, how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've now received this reconciliation. Like, like we think and consider like the ultimate act of representation of God's love was the sacrificial death on the cross. Absolutely. And he did that for us in grace and mercy, even though we were rebels. 
Now the result of that, if we come to salvation and uh, we repent of our sins, we consider Jesus Christ of Lord, the result of his actions, now we are adopted children, sons and daughters of the creator of the universe. And if he chose to love us when we were enemies and did everything to rescue us when we were enemies, what would he do for his adopted children? What is his love for us now and for all of eternity? And it was all proved at the cross. First John, John puts it this way uh, in chapter 4, verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, so again, this is that salvation, that, that Jesus is the Son of God. He is our Lord. We uh, freely give all of our life. We lay down our kingdoms, our desires. We submit to him as Lord and follow his commandments. So whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. This is an aspect of us being partakers of the divine nature. We're no longer merely human, but what happens is God remains somehow supernaturally through the deposit of the Holy Spirit, as mentioned in Ephesians chapter 1, in us, and we are in God. In Ephesians 1, it also says we're, we're seated with him right now in heavenly realms supernaturally, right now, even though we have these wooden chairs here at the armory. Verse 16, we've come to know and believe the love that God has for us. This word believe is the Greek word pistis. It means to trust the love that God has for us. Again, it's a choice that we have to make. We have to set aside the doubts or the lies that Satan would want to enter into our minds where we would doubt that God loves us and has the best for us. It's the tactic that he used against Adam and Eve at the very beginning, and he continues to use it down to this day. But we choose to soak in the light of the truth by believing the love that God has for us. God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. In this, love is made complete with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. Because as he is, as God is, so also are we within this world. We're looking through this and we're talking about remaining in God and God remaining in us. Through this is a righteousness that was purchased by the blood of Christ. So we have confidence on the day of judgment because as Jesus is righteous, so are we in this world. Because he redeemed us out of love. He loved us. And so it continues in verse 18. There's no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not in complete love. We love because he first loved us. 
what this passage is saying is because of the profound love of God that rescued us out of darkness, brought us to be adopted children in his family that he loves as much as he loves Jesus, the Son, what fear do we have on the day of judgment then? What fear do we have in anything that we face within this world? When we look at those verses, we still might struggle with the sense of like, yeah, I see that's in Scripture. I get that within my head, but, but my life is so messy and dirty. Like, like, this is what I've done. This is, I continue to fail. Like, all these different lies that Satan would have us to hold on to. We look at some other passages. Isaiah 43, verse 25 This is God speaking. He says, I, I sweep away your transgressions for my own sake and remember your sins no more. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 puts it this way, that that love keeps no record of wrongdoing. And so God in his love and through the redemption of Jesus Christ chooses not for our sake, but for his own sake, to no longer remember our sins because they're covered by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. This is one of the biggest things that that can impact our experience of God's love. It's one of the the weeds and the lies that pop up where we're like, oh, well, he says that, that he loves us and he's adopted us and that's awesome, but I've got all this junk. And God looks at us and says, what junk? It's covered. I don't see it. It's covered by Jesus. I I see the righteousness of Jesus when I look at you. And yet for some reason, we decide to look at ourselves and say, okay, well, you're covering that, but I still see it, and I'm going to carry it with me wherever I go. And I'm going to make it part of my identity, even though God, the creator of the universe, who made us a new creation in Christ Jesus, says that he remembers it no more. Psalm 103 puts it this way. It's not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love to those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. If you start heading east... I'm going to point this way. It's probably not east. Whatever direction this is. Is this east? Am I right? That's east. Okay. So if I start going east, how long will it take me to hit west? I won't. I, I just won't because I, I keep going that way. If I, if I keep going east and I get to Milwaukee, they're still east. And if I cross Lake Michigan and, and get to Detroit, there's still east. I, I haven't met west yet. West is behind me somewhere, but New York, France, Greece, China, Japan, California, Nevada, Wisconsin, Michigan, New York. Like, as far as the east is from the west... So far, he removed our transgressions from us. 
As a father has compassion on his children, the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows what we are made of, remembering that we are dust. This is the compassionate father that knows that that he took the dust from the earth and formed it together and then breathed into it and Adam came from that. That, That's what we're from is, is dust. And so knowing that, he has compassion on us and then he does all of the work to redeem us, to save us, to forgive us from our sins and then to sweep them away for his own sake. This is the love that he has for us. John chapter 15. This is Jesus. It's one of his final teachings before he would leave to be betrayed and go to the cross. It says in verse 3, You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you. So again, here's that concept. If, if we are a, a plant to produce fruit, in order to produce fruit, all we have to do is just remain and be a plant. It's the same for us as redeemed Christians. All we have to do is just abide and be what he's created us to be. And, and then let's get rid of these different lies. Let's get rid of these other things. Let's, let's weed them out. We, we sit there and we think, man, I have a, such a hard time relating to God as Father because I had a rough relationship with my Father here on earth. There's no correlation to that. The Father that we had here on earth, whether, whether He was great or whether He was wicked, was also made from dust. Whereas our Father in heaven always has been, is, and always will be. Created all things. He's the epitome of love and justice. Of power and tenderness. And if we would accept and allow for Satan to use an earthly relationship with our Father, or even somebody who's close to us that betrayed us, to sit there and distort how we receive the love of God, we've allowed a weed to come up and disrupt it. And we just need to accept and choose. And again, we looked at that word uh, in verse 16 of 1 John chapter 4. We believe the love that God has for us. We trust the love that God has for us. That is us sitting there and soaking up the light and truth of Jesus Christ and the watering of the Holy Spirit that causes us to grow, to produce fruit more than we would trust a weed that would pop up and we would say, I'd rather have that. We need to cast those things aside. There's some weeds that we need to just stop feeding. Hobbies, little pet sins, things that cling on, that, that we're just like, I'll deal with it later. Or, or maybe it's something that takes up so much of our time that we find that we never have any time to actually pursue Christ. We need to stop feeding those things. Could be Netflix, could be our phones, could be any number of things 
And I would encourage you to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal what those are and then how to deal with those things. So in verse 4, uh, remaining me, in John chapter 15, remaining me and I and you, uh, a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine. Neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. So if we wonder how to produce fruit, it's simply staying close to Jesus and following what he tells us to do. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. And so again, here's this whole concept of fruit, but it's verse 9 that speaks the truth to us in regards to love. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. When's the last time you truly thought about that? We have a few times of the expression of the Father's love onto Jesus when he was baptized and at the transfiguration. And a voice came from heaven and he said, this is my son who I am well pleased with. A couple weeks ago, we looked at that word in the original language, I'm pleased with, and we saw that it was the same word used when it said it is God's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. It is the same love that he had for Jesus. And now Jesus himself is saying here, as the Father has loved me, and we think of those two things, the the baptism and the transfiguration, uh, God's glory shining down on him, Revealing his love, he's saying, I'm well pleased. And that's just two examples. How much time has the father spent with the son? Eternity past, present, and eternity future. Jesus goes on in his teaching in John chapter 15 to to say that we are one with him as he is one with the father. And so what he's saying here is that the same way that God the Father loves Christ as the Son, whom together they created all things. Like, just imagine that for a moment. Like, all right, we made some birds. It's kind of cool. Um, I got an idea. Let's, let's make, like, a really, really, really tiny one. Like, and we'll come into hummingbird. Or Adam calls it a hummingbird. That's his role. <laughs> but a hummingbird. Okay? And, and so we're going to have its breast be white. And its back is going to be like kind of emerald green, but shiny and gold. And as the light changes, it's going to change colors. And, and on its throat, uh, we're going to make it red. Um, but I don't want it just to be red. Like, let's also have it be a little bit gold sometimes, depending on how you look at it. And, and all the other birds, like, they fly forward. Let's have this one go backwards and up and down and be able to stay in one place. 
Great idea. Let's do it. Like, like that's what they did together. As the Father loved me, I have loved you. As you sit here in this chair with the hairs on your head numbered by God the Father, who helps us win Scrabble sometimes. Not Scrabble, Yahtzee. But as you're here and he knows the hairs that are on your head, if you found salvation in him, he loves you the same way that he loves his own son. To the point he was willing to give his son's life for you and the relationship that you have with him. We need to cultivate that truth. We need to bask in this. What we did this morning going through these verses is that first part of meditating upon the truth of God's love for us. That's basking in the sun. That's basking in the light. Now from here, you need to go and look at the different things that you've accepted that are contrary, that are lies from the enemy to this that would cause you to doubt this truth. Because the things that cause you to doubt this truth simply come from the world and our own experiences because the Word of God is consistent in how He loves us. Those things need to be weeded out. And then we need to be on guard for things that would steal it. That would steal our joy in this love. But it all begins by abiding in Jesus. Letting the Holy Spirit work within us soaking up his light and as a result we'll be fruitful because we abide in him let's pray father we come before you this morning uh, father i thank you for these truths these truths that are so profound and there are very hope of salvation and eternity with you. Because the only access into heaven for all of eternity and escape from this world is the very righteousness of Jesus, which we could never attain on our own but because of your great love for us, the same love that you had for the Son, you give to us as we come into salvation as your sons or daughters through our repentance. And in that, you invite us to your banquet table to celebrate because... You love us, and you just want to spend time with us. Father, I pray that this would be a profound truth. I pray that we would be a church that pursues that truth. I ask that your Holy Spirit would reveal it to us in new and amazing ways, from, from Yahtzee to dreams and visions and experiences that we could not expect or even describe at times. And this is right and good to do because in, in, in John it says that we love you because you first loved us. You desire for us to enjoy your love. So I pray, let us understand it more as Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 3. Let us know how great and wide and high and deep your love is for us. And as we know that, our love for you will increase. And as our love for you increases, we have no choice but simply to bear fruit. Because it's the way you made us to be as we abide in you. Father, I come against the attacks of the enemy 
that would seek to choke these things out. That would whisper in our ears that we're not worthy. And the truth is, we're not. But it's your great love that made us worthy. The little lies that would cause us to doubt or say, yeah, but I did this. And would cause us to forget the great truth as far as the east is from the west you've removed our transgressions you've blotted them out for your sake let this be a battle that we fight and as we do so we'll reflect your light even more I thank you for this gift and I pray this in Jesus name Amen we go into worship I'd like to encourage you that as if we go through this and I've been reading through these passages and and, and the truth of, of God's love for us if there's any way that that feels distant to you if that's hard for you to accept or you have these doubts that pop up in your mind right away, or, or maybe you've had experience in your life uh, in a relationship here on earth that causes it to be hard for you to understand God's truth. Uh, if you're here and you feel like there's some kind of block for you to accept these truths, I would invite you to go back to our prayer team today. Maybe you even don't even know what that block is. I would invite you to go back. And just say, I want to know and experience God's love. And and we would love to pray with you. Otherwise, let's stand here in awe of our great God who created all things from the sun to a hummingbird and praise his holy name and his love for us.